0: given the landscape of our country right now, and the sort of violence and attacks that are happening on LGBTQ plus rights around the country, it is uncomfortable and it is scary, Um, but it's who I am. And for me, being transgender is life or death.
1: Welcome to the Vermont Conversation, I'm David Goodman. Laws targeting transgender people have been proliferating across the country. In Idaho, Texas, and Alabama, Republican leaders have passed laws criminalizing transgender health care, while Florida has banned discussion of LGBTQ issues in elementary school in a law that critics have dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill. Now the anti-transgender wave has rolled into Vermont. On April 6th, conservative Fox News host Laura Ingram ran a segment titled Groom and Doom, which singled out a webinar offered by the Burlington School District on February 8th that was titled, Let's Talk About Gender Identity and Expression. The webinar was led by Nikki Ellis, an assistant principal at Edmonds Middle School in Burlington who is transgender. Ingram charged that middle school students are, quote, bombarded by efforts to undo any semblance of traditional values that their parents might have taught them, close quote. In the days following the Fox News broadcast, Ellis and the Burlington schools were flooded with hate mail and threats. Burlington school superintendent Tom Flanagan denounced the attacks, reassuring LGBTQ community members that, quote, we care about them and that we are here for them, close quote. The anti-trans attacks are not just limited to schools. The head of the Burlington Republican Party tweeted out photos of Vermont legislators who support a transgender rights bill and labeled each of them a, quote, groomer. To talk about the attacks on transgender rights locally and nationally, we're joined by Assistant Principal Nikki Ellis, as well as by Vermont State Representative Taylor Small, the first openly transgender legislator in Vermont. I began by asking Nikki Ellis to explain what the webinar was about.
0: So this webinar was a part of a series that BSD uh, has been putting on, a series of equity conversations that are sort of workshop style uh, and explore different issues and identities that are represented uh, in our school district. And so during that particular um, webinar episode, we were talking about gender identity, uh, what gender identity is, um, how it differs from gender expression and sex. And uh, it was an opportunity for me to speak about my experiences as a transgender non-binary school leader. Uh, And it was also an opportunity for some students to share their perspectives and experiences with gender identity, uh, as well as talk a little bit about how gender identity is showing up in our school
1: and who is the audience for this what was the age range
0: so this is an opportunity for members of our community to come together uh, to learn a little bit more about gender identity uh, from some folks who have experiences with their gender identities Uh, so that means that there were school board members there were parents other family members students were participating alongside their families uh, and some folks from other local organizations that support uh, queer and LGBTQ plus youth and families.
1: From your experience leading webinars like this, talking about gender identity and expression, how do students respond? So,
0: you know, I can speak for myself and say that my gender identity was very clear to me from a very young age. Uh, I knew as young as five years old that I didn't feel like I fit into the box of a female or male and that for me, my gender identity is a mix of masculinity and femininity, femininity, and feeling male and female, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at different times. Uh, And so this is an opportunity for some visibility from someone who is transgender to talk about, you know, what that experience is so that students can also have the opportunities to have those conversations at home with their families, uh, so that students can be exposed to curriculum that helps them to explore their gender identity and gender expression, uh, and and just have a space to overall have conversations to come to more understanding and acceptance of the diverse gender identities in our school district.
1: Have you experienced, do children, do the students sometimes come to you to talk about their own issues, concerns, confusion, whatever, around gender identity. What, what does it mean to have an educational leader in a school who is transgender?
0: So for me, I always knew that visibility was important from the standpoint that I never saw anyone who looked like me uh, leading a school, let alone teaching in a school. Uh, and students come to talk to me all the time about gender identity, to ask me their questions, to better understand what gender identity means, to talk through what they're feeling and thinking about, uh, to be able to talk to their teachers about changes to their gender identity, uh, and to just overall be able to share some experiences that are similar. Uh, And that, I would say, happens on a very regular basis.
1: When do you think is the right time to raise these issues with kids?
0: I think that kids are intuitive. And I think that kids are resilient. And I think that kids know what they know long before some of the adults around them know what they know. And when it's time for a child to feel safe and comfortable talking about their gender identity, that's the right time. Uh, And that's an experience that differs for every single individual. Uh, I didn't come to terms with my gender identity until I was 28. I always knew that there was something unique and different about my gender, uh, but I didn't have the language. I didn't have the opportunity to interact with other people who were transgender non-binary. Uh, and so it took me a while to reflect and really be able to understand what was going on with me. But this generation of kids, they don't, um, they don't bat an eye. They are so comfortable just being who they are and talking about their identities uh, that you know, for a lot of kids talking about this in middle school is, is just part of who we are.
1: And what, are, what is the age range of Edmonds Middle School?
0: Uh, Edmonds Middle School serves students in grades six through eight. And, you know, we're really lucky at Edmonds Middle School in that students participate in a social justice curriculum in sixth grade. And the purpose of that curriculum is to help students to understand their own personal identities. And this means that students are exposed to texts and media and conversations that allow them to explore gender identity, race, sexual orientation, uh, religion uh, and a whole host of other cultural and identity based uh, pieces of who they are.
1: So let's talk about um, when you became uh, unwillingly and unwittingly famous. Uh, And that is when you were made the target of one of Laura Ingram's episodes on The Ingram Angle on Fox News. When did you get wind that they were going to do something uh, in which they identified, mentioned you by name?
0: They did. They mentioned me by name. They mentioned my specific workplace. Uh, The recording that they took and broadcast internationally was taken from inside my own home. Uh, So it felt very personal and and quite invasive. Um, I didn't find out that the clip aired until after it had already aired uh, on Wednesday night. I woke up at about 5.30 on Thursday morning to a barrage of emails in my work email inbox uh, saying some really hurtful, harmful things. Um, There was commentary about my physical appearance. Speculation about me being a pedophile simply because I'm transgender, commentary about the status of my mental health, uh, and commentary about the sex organs that I have. And all of that was jarring for me. Um, And it sort of just carried on from there into my day Thursday. I arrived at school and there were a whole bunch of voicemails uh, in our main office, sort of echoing many of the sentiments that were represented in the emails that I was receiving.
1: Were the students aware that you had been singled out like this?
0: They were not. Um, I originally was confused about where the messages were coming from, and it took until the end of the day Thursday for me to understand that um, I had been featured in a Fox News clip that had aired internationally, um, some of the voicemails that we received in our office were from as far away as Australia and Europe. Uh, and I I think once I realized the far reach and impact uh, that that clip was having, that's when, you know, Tom Flanagan and myself and my principal sort of made the decision that we needed to communicate with students and families.
1: And Tom Flanagan is the superintendent of the Burlington Schools. Um what was the superintendent's message uh, to the community?
0: The superintendent's message to the community was that you are here, you are a member of this community, you're valued and you're loved for exactly who you are. And that we as a district will continue to pursue a community that is safe and welcoming for all of our families and all of our students, uh, regardless of their identities.
1: What did that mean to you to have uh, that statement go out?
0: It meant a lot. Um, I've worked in school districts previously where the landscape and the environment weren't as welcoming, weren't as accepting of me as a transgender leader. Uh, And to be honest with you, that this community has wrapped me up um, both in Burlington and from around the state. For every negative email and phone call that I've received, I've received two or three more messages of solidarity, support, hope, and love. Uh, And I think that's really the most important component of this whole situation that we're in is that there is goodness in the world and there is love in the world. And Laura Ingram allowed me the opportunity to further my message of unconditional love and a more socially just society to our international audience. And that's something that I'm taking away from this as really powerful.
1: Has it been scary, too? I mean, there, along with this, have been threats of violence. Um, Talk about that a bit, too.
0: Yeah. So, you know, at this point in time, there hasn't been any language that's been threatening, mostly just harassing. But given the landscape of our country right now, and the sort of violence and attacks that are happening on LGBTQ plus rights around the country, it is uncomfortable and it is scary, um, but it's who I am. And for me, being transgender is life or death. Um, when you're a kid and, and you're trying to figure out your identities and you realize that there's something about you that might be different than the rest of your community, adulthood feels a long way off. You're not even sure that you might make it that far. And so this visibility is so much more important than any fear that I might be feeling uh, related to Laura Ingram's attempt to attack my identity.
1: We know that transgender youth and transgender people generally suffer an extraordinarily high rate of suicide. Um, I'm curious as an educator, what, you find, you know, what difference you feel it's made to your students that you're there and that you're open um, in terms of these mental health challenges that we're hearing?
0: Yeah, I think just the presence means a lot, right? There are kids who I may never have the opportunity to speak to, who may simply know that I'm transgender and know that I'm here and know that I care and that I see them and that I may have some similar experiences to them. And that is love. And that is what queer and trans youth need in order to feel safe enough to grow up to be the people that they are.
1: Why do you think um, this is happening right now?
0: I think people are afraid, afraid of change afraid of something that's different, afraid of something that threatens their worldview. And the reality is that in this country, in, you know, a white normed culture of privilege, there are a lot of boxes, and we're expected to fit into those boxes. And. For folks who are pushed to think beyond boxes, think beyond constructs, and to begin to think of things as messy, and to begin to think of life as a continuum, it's uncomfortable, it challenges everything that they are. And I think that a lot of folks feel threatened by this idea that gender doesn't need to fit into two boxes. And that's why I think it's coming up right now.
1: Laura Ingram and others are using the language of sexual abuse, like grooming and predator, to whip up fear of trans people and falsely suggest that, given the chance, trans people will prey on children. How do you respond to that?
0: I think they're, you know, it's sad and unfortunate that being transgender or being queer is being compared to sexual abuse um, and pedophilia. Uh, because being who you are in your identity as a queer person doesn't mean that you're trying to impose on anyone else. Uh, And the reality is that there are traumas and turmoil and abuse that happen for kids across all identities and all experiences and all communities. Uh, But that's completely unrelated to, you know, being LGBTQ+.
1: I want to turn now to Representative Taylor Small. She's a state representative from Winooski and is the state's first openly transgender legislator. Taylor, welcome back to the Vermont Conversation. I wonder if you could just, um, you've been listening to what uh, Assistant Principal Nikki Ellis has been saying. I wonder what your response is, what, what thoughts it elicits from you.
2: Uh, Thank you so much for having me here today. And I think uh, what it brings up is really what we've been seeing as the political landscape these past two years, which has been a a constant attack on transgender people, and in particular transgender youth. uh, whether it comes to using bathrooms or whether it comes to sports. And now this piece of of what I find to be a repeated uh, accusation of LGBTQ people Something that I heard growing up was that LGBTQ people were pedophiles, that they were sexual deviants. And yet none of this rhetoric has changed. It's only evolved in in growing this idea that we are abusing youth, or that we are abusing one another, when in actuality, I think Nikki really talks to this so well, that it's a community of love, that we have love for not only ourselves, but for the, the breadth and depth of people who live in that beautiful gray area that is not in the black and white. And I think what's really sad is that, uh, I thought at one point that Vermont would be immune to this vitriol that we're seeing on the national level, that last year we were able to pass a bill to ban the LGBTQ plus panic defense And that just last week, the governor signed a bill to make it easier for transgender and non-binary people to amend their birth certificates to see themselves and their identity reflected on their vital records. And yet when we look at the Vermont GOP, they are buying right into this playbook and are attacking legislators and are attacking our community members who are on the front lines doing the support work. And it's really devastating because that's not the work that I see in the State House. The work that I see in the State House is what I call the Vermont way of getting into those messy and difficult conversations and seeing each other's humanity, seeing beyond identity as the only basis of opinion or knowledge, and instead talking about the issues not the politics of identity, but talking about the issues that come along with our identities, which I think is so much more important than boiling down to how do we attack one another rather than how do we learn from one another?
1: We know that more than a dozen states now have passed LGBTQ you know, limitations on rights, rolling back rights, attacks on medical treatment, uh, making Alabama just made it a felony for doctors to provide medical treatment to LGBTQ youth. What do you think is behind this?
2: Oh, that is such a complicated question. What I I think Nikki said it well, that what is behind all of this is this lack of recognition of difference, this xenophobia that we've seen continued. And really it's it's adding gasoline on this fire that we have seen with the last uh, presidential administration, where we continue to divide our country and divide our communities, instead of leaning into where do we share opinions? Where do we share views? Where do we share identity? And instead using those differences as a way to pull each other apart. Um,
1: I'm curious, Taylor, what it has meant for you as, an openly transgender legislator, a public figure, have you been the target of these kind of attacks that uh, recently, you know, have now been rained on, Nikki Ellis? I think uh, when I started in this position,
2: the attacks were were few and far between. But even I in this past year have seen an increase in attacks both within the state and nationally um, with a flood of emails, especially with this new rhetoric coming out of the Vermont GOP as a way of encouraging folks to use this vitriol and come after legislators. Um, I think that's that's the hardest piece is that I, when I came into this work and how I've experienced this work, it has been very collaborative. Um, but now the, the landscape is changing and it's becoming more divided.
1: What you've you've mentioned several times what the Vermont uh, Republican Party has been doing. Um, what is it that they've been doing?
2: Uh, they recently released an attack ad on legislators who were sponsoring legislation that actually is not moving this session, uh, focused on sp- expanding access for gender-affirming care for youth kind of the opposite of what we are seeing nationally and really understanding the high risk of suicide and the high risk of mental illness within uh, trans youth populations. And so they have really garnered that that national rhetoric, that national playbook to use that against uh, progressive and democratic uh, legislators who are currently in the house.
1: Hmm. In listening to uh, Nikki's story, what would it have meant for you, uh, Taylor, to have had a, a, an educational leader in your school like Nikki Ellis when you were going through middle school and high school?
2: It would have meant the world to me. I would have finally not felt alone in this journey. Um, I remember when I had my first uh, gay teacher and how that was just a revolutionary act of saying, oh my God. Gosh, it is. It is not just me. I am not the only different one here. But that everyone can understand their identities more complexly. And I think what uh, a story that I carry is. I had a an 18 year old come and shadow me in the State House this past week as we were talking about the uh, birth certificate bill. And they said, I never thought I'd make it to 18. I never thought that I would be able to survive in a world that continues to invalidate me, that continues to put barriers to my healthcare, that puts barriers to validating my identity through documents, and yet I did. And it's because of having a really stable, safe and supportive family and for queer people, trans people who are in leadership and are showing youth that there is a future that there's a future in which you can thrive and survive in.
1: Nikki Ellis, what would you like parents to know? Uh, you know, so much, there's been so much hysteria whipped up around what is being done to children. What would you like them to know about their children?
0: I want parents and families to know that kids are intuitive and they're resilient. and reflective and thoughtful, and they see the world around them with clear eyes. And that means that they have an opportunity to explore who they are before society tells them that they can't be that person. And just being able to be there to listen when they talk through this, uh, listen, When they're going through their feelings about their identity, uh, it can change someone's entire life.
1: So much of the focus of the attacks, for example, in Florida, banning any, the so called Don't Say Gay bill, uh, banning discussions of LGBTQ issues uh, for children in, I, I don't know if it's K through three or through five, how much? Is that even a reality? I mean, is this an issue that is being discussed in early grades um, and should it be?
0: I think that we're always looking for ways for student identities to be represented in curriculum. And that includes in the curriculum that students experience in elementary school. That's not indoctrinating them into some sort of ideology. It's simply exposing them to characters and books who look like them, who have similar experiences and family structures and identities, having the opportunity to express who they are or to be able to go and explore that with a trusted adult um, and talk through you know, what that means for them. Um, it's about giving kids the space to express and just, B.
1: you uh, were thrust into the position of having people speak for you without the ability to respond so uh, nikki i wonder if uh, we could give you the last word here about what you would like the takeaway message of this whole experience of having been uh, targeted in this way Um, what you want people to know
0: well first i'd want to say Hey, Laura Ingram, I'd love to take you out for coffee or dinner, and I'd love to be able to have an opportunity for you to see me for who I am, the person that I am, the passions that I have, and the way that I care deeply about my community. Uh, And to everybody else out there, the love that I have and, and the love of this work is unconditional. And that means that we will just continue to wrap ourselves, wrap other queer folks up in love and light.
1: Well, Nikki Ellis and Representative Taylor Small, I want to thank both of you for joining us on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, David.
1: Nikki Ellis is assistant principal at Edmonds Middle School in Burlington, Vermont, and Representative Taylor Small is a state representative from Winooski.